Welcome to a Pearlcast interview segment with your host, Josh McAdams. Welcome to Pearlcast. This is Josh McAdams, back with an interview recorded at the Nordic Pearl Workshop 2007. The interview is with an active member of the Pearl community that many Pearlcast listeners probably already know, Curtis Ovid Poe. Curtis is involved with the Pearl Foundation and is a contributor to CPAN. In this interview, we talk about Curtis's work with Pearl Testing and Tap Parser. And I can't let an MPW interview get out without thanking Stonehenge Consulting for getting me there. They are big contributors and supporters to the show. Randall and Brian are a huge factor in making sure that Pearlcast gets interviews with Pearl programmers from around the world. Thanks again, Stonehenge. And now for the interview. Pearlcast is sponsored in part by Stonehenge Consulting. Stonehenge offers worldwide Pearl training and consulting services from some of Pearl's most recognized experts. Visit Stonehenge.com to find out more. I'm here with Ovid, and Ovid has been working very diligently on Tap Parser, which used to be TapX Parser. So I guess we'll get started and talk a little about what you've been doing there. Well, basically, the primary impetus behind this was a long time ago, uh, Schwern posted something to Pearl QA about how the entire test harness needed to be ripped apart and put back together because test harness has uh, basically been built up over 20 years and the parsing of the data, the interpretation of the data, and the presentation of the data had all been tightly coupled together. And when people needed to do interesting things with it, they couldn't. So he proposed an outline uh, to handle all of this properly in a new tap harness. And I had been doing a lot of work recently with grammars and parsers. And I thought, this would be a fun little project. And it didn't work out quite the way I wanted because I wanted to use uh, the tools from Hop, Mark Jason Dominus's excellent uh, higher order Perl book. But grammars tend to work better when you have a you know, large document that you can parse all at once. And in this case, TAP is very line oriented. But eventually, I started just doing the parser, nothing else. And it solved a lot of problems for folks. Um, on the Pro QA list, they happened to mention that uh, Yahoo had picked it up so that they could actually tag their TAP output so they can break up their TAP output uh, separated by, say, GUI or database or whatever, and better analyze their test suite. And from that, I said, well, this is really cool. So maybe I should actually try and implement a harness which uses tap par- the TAPX parser at the time uh, directly. And I started playing around with that. A lot of people liked it. I wrote a run test utility. So now you had nice colored output. Someone wrote a GTK front end to it. Just so many things started flowing out of this. There's now a smolder is going to be converting to use tap parser that I needed more help in areas I had less experience with, such as Windows. So Andy Armstrong came along, made this thing work with Windows. Um, Eric, oh my goodness, I forgot his last name, came along. And he started doing some more work with it and doing some kibitzing, and it's just taken off from there. And eventually, Andy Lester said, make this Test Harness 3. Okay. Test Harness was very tightly coupled. Yes. And then you started working on the tap parser, tap X parser work. Right. And that's just one of the three sections of the of what the harness controls, right? The presentation, parsing, and what was the other? Uh, it's the parsing, interpreting, and presentation. Okay, gotcha. So effectively, we're actually going to be moving more towards an MVC framework so that we can separate the view out because right now the interpretation and the presentation are still coupled. But Andy has some plans for Andy Armstrong, not Andy Lester, okay. for breaking this out into proper MVC. So you can slap your own view on there any time that you want to. So you can make a GTK WX um, 
you could, you know, output an XML instead of a tap, you know, if you wanted to convert it into a system which already imports XML, which is very common in the Java world, for example. So basically anything you want to do. And this stuff you just can't do with Test Harness. And so you did say XML versus tap, and I just saw one of your talks where you compared and contrasted why you should use XML versus tap. And so XML is a great technology, but it's primarily document-oriented. And individual tests are individual items. And TAP is very line-oriented. So TAP is extremely well-suited for these discrete little pieces of information that you're plucking off of a stream, and XML doesn't work as well that way. Um, and there are other issues involved there, but the nice thing about this is you can pluck all these things off one by one if you need it. You don't have to worry about a malformed document, because if you get a little bit of TAP which the parser doesn't recognize, it can simply discard it. And you'll get a parse error later on, but everything just works fine. It's very simple, very easy. As I said, um, XML is document-oriented. Yes. TAP is line-oriented. So XML isn't necessarily a great fit for what we're trying to do. We're trying to pluck individual bits and pieces of things out of a constant stream of data, parse them, and present them to the user in real time. You don't have to wait for an entire XML document to be presented and make sure that it's well-formed. You can just do it line by line, and it's very simple, very easy. And you actually said that TAP was evolving, that it's already in like version 13, which I did not know. Would you say it's going to be YAML in the future? Uh, no, YAML is going to be part of it. Okay. The problem we have with TAP right now is because it basically evolved over 20 years, what we need to do is um, add a few more features that people want in order to get the richness of data that they actually need, particularly as they're using larger testing systems. And the core of TAP itself is going to be fine, but what's going to happen is the unstructured diagnostic information that we currently have is going to be converted to structured YAML information, and it will be extensible, so you can add your own information to it, but the core information, being able to pull off, say, the file name that generated the test results, the line number where the error occurred, having structured uh, input and output information for your test, what you received, what you actually expected, etc. Having a nice structured canonical format that can be parsed readily as opposed to the diagnostic information which is currently sent to standard error and that introduces a whole subset of other problems. And the diagnostic information is whatever you call like diag and test more, and you get the little comment line that comes out. That's part of it. Um, one problem with the diag is diag isn't actually attached to any test, so you don't know what it's dealing with. Um, but it's also if a test fails, you might see something like in t slash you know foo dot t line thirteen got xml expected nirvana, and that's unstructured information. You actually want to be able to capture that information and parse it. So if you have a GUI, for example, someone double clicks on a test and or a test program and it'll pop up and they'll see a list of tests and then they can click on an individual test and it can pop up and say this is the information that we actually received with it. It's a little bit tough to do right now. And so you d demonstrated this run test program, which... So your, your talk was going to be 30 minutes, but it ended up being like 15 because you said you made it so easy. So what is run test? Run test is analogous to prove. And with Andy Lester suggesting that we turn this current framework into the test harness three, run test will probably eventually replace prove. And run tests is pretty much like prove. The only significant difference you'll initially see is you don't have to mention the T directory. It will assume that. 
otherwise, you tell it which where you want to find the tests, and it will take them. But you can actually get a lot of fine-grained control over it. Um, you can have various levels of verbosity depending upon what you need um, because it integrates with the current test har tap harness that we've written. You can get a lot more information such about such as if you see that a test unexpectedly succeeded, you know, a to-do test, it will tell you which one, which you can't do currently. Um, we have colored output, which is optionally available, which works on, finally works on Windows, works on, you know, Linux, whatever. So you can have this nice stream of stuff going by in the terminal while you're working along, and then out of the corner of your eye, you see, oh, something's red, and you turn around and, oh, I've got some test failures. Yep. People don't appreciate that visual information beyond just words that you're reading uh, can provide a lot of cues to stuff. And it's very helpful, and once you get used to it, it's very nice. But you can also use this to pass it a test control program that you feed it a bunch of data. It could be the names of test files, it could be URLs, uh, it could be ports, whatever you want. And as long as that test program knows how to take each individual piece of data and extract tap from it, then you can test anything. So you have the run test, which is your t main test driver. Yes. And then your, your test program. And I'm still not quite sure, clear on what that does. Okay. For example, run test generally works just like prove does. You type run test dash L to include lib in your library. You can pass dash I to include other paths. Um, you can specify, say, T or some other directory for where you want to read the test. And it just runs the test just like you would expect Prove does. However, what if you have those tests written in Ruby or Perl, or you pass it a series of URLs because instead of test is names? only Perl. There oh, are right. tricks you can do to get it to run other things, but it's not as convenient. Mm -hmm. Instead, if you pass the exec switch to run tests, what happens is Everything you pass to it gets fed to it one piece at a time, and it gets routinely invoked, and it takes that string, and you can write a program which will do anything you want. You can say, oh, the string's an existing file. I'll simply run that. Oh, it's an existing file with an RB extension. I'm going to run it with Ruby instead of Perl. Oh, that string's actually a URL. So I have a little helper program over here which will fetch that URL, make sure all the links are valid, make sure that it's valid XHTML or whatever. So you simply write a control program where every time you pass it a string, it knows how to generate tap from that. And you can have test suites against anything you want, so long as you can write a program which will convert that thing into tap. And so on the opposite end of that, once you have the tap output, I know at my office we're integrating with cruise control, and cruise control likes, or even Smolder, well, you said Smolder is going to eventually use tap, but right now it likes its, or its, its own version of XML, it seems. Mm -hmm. So as far as changing those on the way out, are there good hooks to do that? Um, it's pretty simple right now because what you can do is you can write your own test harness. Mm -hmm. or we call them tap harnesses right now. And you simply take the parser. You tell the parser, this is what I want you to parse. You give it a stream of some sort. And as you intercept the as it reads through the tap, it returns result objects to you. And a result is more or less a line of tap. And then you can then represent that result any way you want to. It can be XML output. It can be an event you fire off to a GUI. It can be this test failed. This is a critical test. I need to email my administrator. And test harnesses with this are very simple to write.
you had mentioned that like the Java community's already got their J unit and their cruise control and they're sold on that, but you're trying to attract other communities into this testing framework, so it's not tied to any specific language. Right. Um, part of the impetus behind that is Andy Lester was mentioning that most of the major PHP testing players now output TAP. Um, really? Yes. So I'm not sure if TAP's the default or if it's something optional, but there are also TAP libraries available for JavaScript. Um, C has live tap available, and I've seen that being used in some bigger projects. I don't remember the names of them, um, but I've, I've noticed that being used in some projects, even though it's not integrated with our stuff. And the problem is, if you have a large project, quite often you have projects written in so many different languages that you really want to have a central way of pulling all of that together. And when I was at the Google Test Automation Conference, they were talking about this, and they were talking about struggling with their testing protocol. Some people were using XML for all their output, so you've got to get XML generators written in a variety of languages or find them and customize them for what your particular needs are. Um, and TAP is simple. I wrote a, a primitive TAP generator in a Ruby class in about five minutes, and that's given that I'd never written a Ruby class before in my life which says as much about how easy Ruby is as TAP, I suppose, but it's just easy to do. And it's also a lot harder to get wrong. And because so many people are appreciating this, they're coming to TAP and saying, we want to take advantage of this. So with the new TAP harness and run tests, you can now integrate these large heterogeneous environments written in a multitude of languages and have one simple point of testing all of them and aggregating that information. You had actually mentioned this the tap parser and everything being included in core Perl, but probably not 510? Uh, probably not 510. Um, basically, if it's going to be test harness 3, uh, we want to make sure that it works because this is a, a critically important tool chain, uh, piece of the tool chain. And the key thing about a tool chain is you cannot break anything. It's very, very dangerous to do because if you break something in the tool chain, everyone gets affected. Um, we've seen this happen a number of times with testing modules and a variety of other things. So we're being extremely cautious about what we do there. And we're trying to get as many people in to help us with this as possible so we can test those odd systems. Does this work on AIX? Does it work on you know FreeBSD, OpenBSD? Does it work on VMS? Um, I simply had problems with Windows because I don't have a Windows box at home. Um, so we have to make sure that this is very, very stable and as backwards compatible as possible. So there's a few things we're jettisoning. For example, test harness straps is going to go away because it simply doesn't fit the current model. But fortunately, that's not being used a lot, even though those people who use it will argue with me. <laughs> yeah, I just saw a presentation where somebody was using test harness straps. Oh, no. <laughs> it was a guy like two after you. Oopsie. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so Perl 5 then. What about Perl 6? I mean, is there any plans on getting it in there? Does it already have a testing framework set up? Um, Chromatic's done some stuff with uh, both PIR and Parrot. I don't know exactly how that works. Uh, one gentleman commented on Perl QA that he's been constantly up updating the Perl 6 testing grammar with the stuff that's coming out of the TAP parser project. Um, I've been trying to keep the grammar updated as much as possible. Um, if you download Tap Parser, there's Tap Parser Grammar, and you can read the docs for a moderately complete EBNF grammar for it, so you can see what's going on. But the tricky thing is the grammar describes an entire document, and we parse it line by line. So 
it's easy for the grammar to get out of sync and for you to not see what's really going on there uh, at an internal level, but I've been trying to keep that up to date as much as possible. And so if people want to look into this, you also have a mailing list and a wiki? Uh, yes, and of course I don't happen to have the URLs handy. We'll put them online, that's no problem. Okay, so, great. yep. And I guess that's all the questions I have. Any parting thoughts, any help you need, any community involvement you're looking for? I would love to see some people with more gooey experience start taste, tasting this. Tasting. Uh. Taste gooey. <laughs> start taking this and start creating some of the gooeys because a lot of people sneer at them. But GUIs can be extremely useful, and if they're done properly, they can be a great way of presenting information. Imagine having, you know, just something as simple as the JU interface, where, you know, if it's green, it's good. If it's red, it's bad. You can just glance over there while it's running, get an idea of the status of it. Being able to drill down to individual results rather than go through command line tools, they're useful. Um, I don't have a lot of GUI experience, so I would strongly encourage others who have that experience who want an interesting project to come along and any dumb questions they want to ask, um, happy to answer them. And as far as uh, GUIs, so something like Smolder that doesn't necessarily run the test but just parses the output, mm -hmm. something even on that end, so not necessarily press a button and run the test but even just analyze the output or you're envisioning a whole big system. Anything they want, actually. Part of, the, part of what's going on here is because we're decoupling the various pieces and providing a much richer set of information, I don't want to presuppose what people are going to try and do. For example, when I was before the exec switch, I had something called the exec RC file, which was written in YAML and was effectively a domain-specific language for here's how you map these strings into something that will produce tap output. It was confusing, it was annoying, and then I realized I was trying to second guess what people were trying to do. That was stupid. Um, so I got rid of that. And now you just have the exec switch where you pass it a program you, you can execute. And that program can be written in any language you want. So you now tell it how to map a string into something which will produce tap output. So they have the full flexibility. So if someone wants to come along and do some GUI work, I think GUIs are extremely important, much more so than I think a lot of other folks do. Um, and I don't want to constrain them for what they might come up with. Thank you very much for the uh, interview. It's great information. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another Pearlcast interview. Have something to say to the Pearl community? Got an idea for an interview or maybe just have some feedback for the show? We'd love to hear from you here at Pearlcast. Send an email to pearlcast at gmail.com and let us know what's on your mind.